Chapter sixteen of I've Come to Stay, a love comedy of Bohemia by Mary Heaton Vorse. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter sixteen. For the first time, Ambrose was seriously angry with Sonya. She received his anger with flippancy. I don't mind working for you, he finally told her but when it comes to paying for nearly a hundred damn canary birds it's a little too much of a good thing of course we can sell them back but we can't get half what we paid for them did you have to pay for them asked sonya who do you suppose would said ambrose do you suppose i'd let camilla shoulder your foolishness god what a mind a hundred canary birds c o d and from almost as many different places what an intellect so saying he took his departure he saw little of sonya the next few days for at that time ambition decreed that she go to night school ambrose found himself at loose ends he had quarrelled with camilla sonya was not there he amused himself by taking his aunt adelaide to roof gardens and uptown places this good lady having no conventional standards found these places shocking after the decorum of the village one day ambrose went forth into the square to seek consolation in the back room of a saloon he found a hobo who reproached him for living a life of dissipation he fled to a nearby tea-room where an art student in a smock and tam-o-shanter told him that the trouble with him was that he lived a conventional life and knew uptown people he went to the cellar of the brevort where an anarchist informed him that he was a damn bourgeois this thought ambrose has got to stop i've stood all i can he thought of going uptown but since the affair of the canaries uptown was closed to him since he had been accustomed to laugh rather than be laughed at if i go home there'll be aunt adelaide bless her and i can hear that confounded pole playing on his fiddle to camilla next door so he betook himself over to second avenue and dropped in by chance on a small hungarian cabaret about him fat hungarians sat and smoked a foreign-looking young man with a mongolian countenance played the hungarian piano then two girls sang ragtime ambrose had all the sensations of one travelling in foreign countries he wanted to think and what he wanted to think about was how a new home could be found for sonya mucha this was an extraordinarily hard problem the world was full of people with whom sonya would not live and an almost equal number of people who would not have sonya live with them in fact as he continued to think it narrowed itself down to himself and since the canaries a deep sense of insecurity had invaded ambrose suddenly into his range of vision flashed a little scarlet robed figure it was sonya he had seen her practice the same dance only the day before the curious part of it to him was that she seemed singularly one with the place and at ease a sudden fury now mounted in ambrose she certainly is crowding the mourners was the phrase that rose to his mind it seemed a little too much to him that sonya's individuality should be expressing itself in these terms after the canaries it was with dignity that ambrose approached the proprietor a florid stout man with shaggy eyebrows and a moustache like a black lambrequin this young lady's engagement ambrose informed him with an elegant uptown accent terminates to-night insolently the proprietor stared at him and let fall these humiliating words beat it go on out from here and don't let me see you speak to sonya mucha ambrose realized that in a situation which demanded the egregious tact of the defunct van bibber he had bungled the whole affair 
he serene and superior after having quelled the proprietor should have led forth the sobered sonya instead he lost his temper i'm the guardian of that child he said she's coming with me guardian hell responded the proprietor you're a swell guardian his eloquent gaze travelled insultingly over ambrose's person get out he added at this ambrose's temper left him abruptly how it happened ambrose never knew he vaguely remembered hitting out at the proprietor while someone attacked from the rear and sonya bore down upon them all like an avenging flame crying stop gastero stop that's my ambrose don't hurt my ambrose peace was restored the two men eyed each other the proprietor mopped his brow ambrose strove to arrange his shattered collar while sonya complicated the situation by hurling herself on his neck crying oh ambrose are you hurt then rage rose in her heart and she stormed alternately at the proprietor and ambrose slowly the proprietor got under way puffing and winded he got a glass of water which he threw at her sonya gasped and sat down shivering after a moment she looked up smiling at ambrose you see he knew what to do he's a friend of grandpa's she confided they left together the proprietor still suspicious still solicitous of sonya's welfare still asking if after all he hadn't better call a bull in the back of ambrose's mind the desire for dignity still lurked he wanted to ask sonya in icy tones what this meant but as sonya remarked caught with the goods it was hard to pull what he knew she would term upstage stuff ambrose she said don't be mad i knew we needed some money so i got fifteen dollars last week for dancing there and bought all our food with it and something besides she beamed at him with an expression of one who expects the words well done my good and faithful servant oh sonya he cried you're a brick embarrassingly she threw her arms around him i knew you wouldn't like it she said you've got such queer narrow ideas so i just said i was going to night school but i can't bear women who won't get out and hustle for their men when there isn't any money parasites well you don't need to hustle any more he answered a curious little choky feeling had come in his throat all thoughts of finding a new home for sonya had vanished forever sonya he said you oughtn't to do things like this a kid like you in a place like that anything might have happened she looked at him with the expression of a terribly knowing gutter snipe i'd like to see anyone get gay with me she remarked besides the old hungarian who keeps the joint knew my grandpa i tell you side by side they walked home sonya engaging and gay but he felt enclosed he had always felt this menage to be a temporary thing something that might vanish as it had come then he saw that there were circles under sonya's eyes and that beneath her surface of gaiety she was tired and he realized that she was tired because she had been using the last ounce of her strength for him suddenly he had a vision of what it meant to a little girl who was already working from morning until night to go out again and dance in a hideous little cabaret a feeling of affection for sonya flooded him and of contempt for himself since while she had been working to the last ounce of her strength for him he had been thinking of how to get rid of her gratitude and obligation now forever closed the door between him and escape he felt as elderly as any parent deeply touched but suddenly brought face to face with the reality of the situation next day ambrose sold a story he celebrated by taking his aunt and sonya to the opera it was when coming home with the tickets that he ran into camilla she smiled at him and at once tendered the olive branch take me out to dinner to-night she said every day that had passed since last she had seen ambrose had made her feel more kindly toward him 
especially was this so since she had not seen askoff for the past several days after inviting her out to the larger spaces of life he had suddenly vanished oh camilla ambrose said why didn't you ask me any other time i have to take sonya to the opera to-night camilla grew cold are you chained to the nursery she inquired he hastened to explain the story of the cabaret and his obligation and gratitude the story proved unconvincing to camilla she was having a grand time doing it was her verdict they parted the gulf between them deepened when camilla arrived home she found a small italian boy waiting for her he held out a piece of paper on it in faltering handwriting was written camilla's name and address the boy explained in the dialect of italian bleecker street that askoff had been badly hurt that he had been run over and had his right arm and leg broken and he begged that camilla would come to him she followed the italian boy down one street and up another to a house that was in the very heart of sinister street itself they went up ill-smelling flights of stairs here it is said the little boy and threw open the door the room was a caricature of a working girl's room meagerness in every form was known to camilla but squalor was new to her she longed to turn from it and run askoff lying haggard and bandaged on the bed filled her with both pity and horror with love and disgust at sight of her camilla he whispered i went down to the gates of death camilla with the thought of you in my heart and the thought of you made me come back i feel as if i had been searching for you forever and now you've come although his words were those of a movie hero there was an intensity in his voice a curious ring which meant that for him her love was now a matter of life or death it was an affection that seemed to her bigger than either one of them a love that seemed to have its own separate existence and that now engulfed them both within it as the darkness of the night she wanted to fly from it she wanted to tell him there was no place in her life large enough to put a devouring love of that sort he looked singularly younger lying there his hair like a blackbird's wing sweeping off his pale forehead and his sunken eyes gave him the air of a young boy you're going to stay camilla he said of course she answered you're going to stay always with me aren't you now as long as you need me oh camilla he cried come near me at the sound of his voice tears crowded to camilla's eyes she bent over and kissed him he lay very quiet with the look on his face of a person who sees a miracle and again in camilla's heart there came a feeling of inadequacy as of one who receives a precious gift that one doesn't know quite what to do with camilla he said will you give me my chance now my little chance to make you love me give me just that little time give me as good a chance as other people have he was using his weakness to press his point he played according to no rules of the game but took his advantage where he might will you camilla he begged very gently very humbly holding her hand in his as if it was something fragile and precious of course she answered again you mean it camilla you're not humoring me because i'm sick of course i mean it she answered he touched her infinitely as he did always but she felt as she had so often before a desire to escape as though something dark and sinister were waiting for her that was mingled with his love who's been taking care of you sasha she asked i don't know he answered a district nurse has been in and the neighbors too they tried to get me to go to the hospital i wouldn't go he flamed at her no of course not she smoothed his head with her hand i hate institutions and i couldn't talk to you it happened i wasn't knocked senseless i made them carry me here where are you going camilla had risen 
I've got to make you more comfortable. You've got to have the things you need. Don't go, he begged her. For my sake, you'll come back? His accent was heartbreaking, like a child begging for its mother. Of course, she promised. She found the Italian boy and bought various things that would help him to be more comfortable. She engaged a neighbor to look after Sasha at intervals until he could be moved to a better place. And while she was doing this, one insistent thought beat in her mind. How had Sasha, living as he did, been able to bring her violets? He must have gone without meals. He must have spent whatever little he made, beggared himself for a whim. Taking her to dinner must have been to him starvation. She went back to his room and began to put it in order. From the pocket of a coat some cards fell. She picked them up and put them back and looked guiltily over towards Sasha, but he was lying with his eyes closed. The little cards were pawn tickets. End of chapter 16 Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine